0: Coming up on today's Locked On Dodgers, you guys have questions, we have answers. That's what's on tap, so make sure to keep it Locked On Dodgers.
1: You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On, Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavez fiends, here together with Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, it's, I know it's a rare occasion. I say it every week, but uh, I'm glad to be on here with you for today.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh... It's definitely nice to talk to somebody else other than just myself. By my count, this is the 874th podcast that we've done together. Uh, you know, obviously, some just one or the other, and some split. But between our two podcasts, this is number 874.
0: Uh, we are up there and only continuing to go. On today's episode, we put out a call for questions. You guys provided some questions, and we are going to. Do our best to provide some answers, but before that, I just want to thank you and remind you to make Locked on Dodgers your first listen of the day. Every day we are found wherever you can get podcasts and on YouTube and yeah, Jeff, no news in the baseball world. Um, no lockout news other than the fact that the player side is supposed to put their proposal and they're supposed to talk, I think this week, Friday, maybe Um pro- They seem to be moving very slow, I will say. Uh, It's January 19th, and they've met pretty much like three times since the lockout started. We're like day 47 or 48, and it doesn't seem to have – they don't seem to have too much urgency right now.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to come down to once it actually starts threatening to hit them in the wallet. Uh, You know, when we get to mid-February when spring training is supposed to be starting, they're going to start thinking, huh, yeah maybe we need to start thinking about this and then when we get to the beginning of march when it's like okay if we don't figure something out like in the next couple days we're actually gonna have to change the regular season schedule and maybe lose some games and therefore lose some money that's when the urgency will come it's uh it's definitely frustrating that uh doing what's best for the sport doesn't provide enough urgency but you know that's how negotiations go and uh I'm not too stressed about it right now, but uh, it definitely would be nice if there was more going on in terms of progress.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping that this counter proposal kind of kickstarts actual negotiations. Like, okay, you're opening Salvo, you're counter Salvo, and now we can actually talk and actually try to work things out. I'm hoping that's what happens, uh, but that will remain to be seen. But either way, we're still here. We're not on lockout. We're locked on, and we got some questions from you guys. And yeah, Jeff, let's just hop right into them. The first one is for you, so I'll let you handle this one. It's from Joe Hole, our buddy. He says, what changes would hashtag Jeff for Commissioner like to see approved on new UCBA? Uh, I know we're going to talk about this probably in depth at some point and uh, kind of back and forth between us. So maybe give us maybe top three things you want to see.
1: Yeah, and, and maybe not even quite that, because yeah, like you said, we are going to spend several episodes probably talking about some of the specifics we want to see. And so I'm just going to kind of summarize it with, What I want to see is both sides willing to compromise. Uh, And nobody ever likes that idea because obviously, by definition, everybody thinks that their side is right. And whichever side of this uh, dispute you side with as a fan, you might be thinking, well, uh, they shouldn't have to compromise. It should be the other side that has to compromise. But the way negotiations go is you do need to compromise. And I think there's probably an issue of the players feel like, they uh, didn't get much of anything that they wanted the last couple rounds of negotiations. uh, And so they want to maybe make up for lost time with, with this one. And then on the flip side, the owners feel like, well, we got everything we wanted or, you know, or everything we pushed hard for the last couple of times. So now it's time to push hard for more things. And uh, I, I think what, needs to happen is they need to find some sort of common ground that uh, they say a good negotiation is when neither side is happy at the end. And uh, I think there's a lot of truth in that and they need to identify those things. And, you know, like, like you said, making progress with some common ground would be really important. And there are some things like, you know, our next question that we're going to talk about is about the DH and the national league that is something that they should agree on publicly and, you know, exuberantly right now, you know what, both sides want the DH in the national league. So there there's an agreement and that gives you some momentum, but the problem is both sides see that as well. I know the other side wants it. So I'm going to use that as a bargaining chip, which is how you end up with a season like 2021, where both sides wanted the DH The DH made a ton of sense after coming off of a shortened season. And yet we didn't have it because both sides knew the other side wanted it. And so it's like, you know, uh, I I don't want to play with this this toy, but I know that you want it. So I'm not going to let you have it. And uh, you know, when the best metaphors for something are how children play with toys together, maybe uh, that's a sign that the grownups in the room are struggling a little
0: bit. Yeah. It's been, you know, there's, we haven't really got to the point where both sides are posturing, and, then, you know, basically propaganda online. They've not got to that point yet. You know, we, we are probably going to get there here in the next few weeks as they negotiate a little further. Um, it was interesting to see. I don't know if you saw the stuff with John boy on Twitter recently, where he kind of got f- ganged on because he kind of blamed the, he, the way they worded the tweet, it put blame on the players. And then, Even though if you watch the video, that's not what they were saying, but the tweet was very poorly worded, and then he didn't realize. I I think he let his ego get in the way, and people thought we're dunking on him, and he got it in the way. But at the end of the day, you know, the the players want to play. The owners want to make money. So there's two different things, you know, at hand. Obviously, the players want to make money too. At the end of the day, this is a player's job. They want to play baseball. The owners, for the most part, they have other stuff going on. They're still going to make money outside of this. So that's where the urgency, that's where, you know, the players have given in recent in recent years. And that's kind of where now they want to fight back. And it's just, you know, how much are they willing to actually stand and fight and for what they want? And I think that's where we're going to really find out. Because, it's, like you said, from what we've seen every time, the players end up caving in a little bit more. And I don't know if this is the time where they don't do that or they do do that. I don't know how strong they're going to be or how united they're going to be on that front.
1: Yeah, it's hard to tell. and And that's the part that's scary because – you know, I used to kind of believe, okay, it's in everybody's best interest to get this figured out so that we can have a, a full season and everything, but seeing how many things that were in everybody's best interest that didn't happen, uh, it, it makes me think that just being in everybody's best interest isn't enough. As for the John boy stuff, it's like this, like everything else in our culture right now is so polarized that if you say anything positive about one side, it is interpreted as you are 100% on that side and 100% against the other side we see it in politics all the time you know if you praise something that a democrat did everybody assumes you are as far left as it can possibly be on the political spectrum if you praise something a republican did people assume you are as far right as you can be when the fact is that most of us are you know somewhere between middle left and middle right and you know there's actually a lot more in common than we would like to admit and you know uh logical uh thinking adults can recognize oh here's a guy who i don't actually normally agree with but he did something good or he said something i agree with and you should be able to agree with those things and so you know whether you agree with john boy's point or not uh, about the players it you know it things need to be taken at face value and recognize okay if they said one thing about the players, then take it as that one thing and don't just assume that you know everything about what's in everybody's head just based on one thing they said.
0: Yeah, he just has to talk to his social media guy and tell him to work things better. That was really what the what it came down to. But either way, uh, there's a lot to go on. Like you said, our next question is going to be about the DH. But before we get to that question, let's talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Maybe even better than some candy bars. I mean, I definitely would definitely pick a built Bar over some candy bars that are out there. And guess what? Not only are you picking it because it tastes better, but you're picking it because it is better for you. Most Bilt Bars are around 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 grams net carbs, around 17 grams of protein. Also got high fiber in there to help you out with, uh, you know, digestion. So I don't know, I don't see a reason why you haven't tried Bilt Bar yet other than you don't like to do things that are good for you and you don't like to eat things that are good for you. Or maybe you just don't like chocolate. That would be the only, I guess, real reason for you not to try Built Bar. But either way, Built Bar, a bunch of flavors, good for you. Always coming out with new flavors. They're really the, 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 the bee's needs when it comes to, to protein bars. And right now you can get 15% off your order if you go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15. That's LOCK15 at Built.com for 15% off your order. Go get some Built Bars. All right, Jeff. Um, I know we usually switch off questions, but I'll take this question just because I'm hosting and um my turn to talk. And this one comes from Tim at bad underscore sex, S e c t s. Uh, if there is a DH in the NL next year, what does the Dodgers' infield look like?
1: You were so concerned about pronouncing his at correctly. Uh, that you missed there's actually two or three underscores there in that username uh, yeah
0: more than one i'm not gonna that, that's mind. his own problem yeah yeah that's. Uh, sorry fault.
1: tim but hopefully people <laughs> will find you if they really want to want to find you but yeah uh what does dodgers infield look like if there's a dh i i assume the dodgers are going into this offseason planning on there being a dh because that is the most likely solution and you know whether there's a dh or not i i think the dodgers if there's a DH, I think the Dodgers are going to use it as a way to get days off for a lot of people. Uh, that's kind of what Chris Taylor does for you. Because when you think about it, you already have an infield of Muncie at first, Lux at second, Trey Turner at short, Justin Turner at third, and then an outfield of Pollock, Bellinger, and Mookie, and then you have Chris Taylor. And so uh, you have your uh, obviously then your catcher will Smith, so you have your nine uh, batters ready, and it 's just a question of who 's playing where, and that's where you know having Trey Turner can play you know they they might even experiment with Trey Turner in the outfield again if if they you know feel like they need to, but we know Chris Taylor can play everywhere, Gavin Lux has played a lot of places, Max Muncy can play three positions, so uh, I think the infield on any given day could look a lot of different ways. Mookie Betts can play second base even. Um, But I think the bigger question on the universal DH isn't so much what the infield looks like, but what's the starting nine. And I think that as of right now, the Dodgers have, you know, a good solid starting nine. I still think they're going to maybe make some, some splashes in free agency and or trades. And so it probably will look different by opening day than it does right now but you could do a lot worse than Muncy, Lux, Turner, Turner, Pollock, Bellinger, Mookie, Smith, and Taylor uh, because that is a solid up and down the lineup nine guys who are all of them all-star potential at their peaks.
0: Yeah, like I said, I don't think it changes the infield too much other than they acquire someone in a you know randomly because they're not a lot of third basemen out there that, that, that are in free agency. So let's just say they made a trade for a third baseman. And move Turner to DH. That would be kind of the only difference. Obviously, if they sign Freddie Freeman, that would change the infield, but they would I feel like they'd be in on him with or without DH anyways, because Muncie could always move to second theoretically if they wanted to, or do a DH role. I do think the DH role, depending on how they want to handle it, could be like I said in that starting nine where is that you know, Schwarber, Castellanos, there's a couple guys that are out there that could theoretically fill a role where it's more DH than defense. And like I said, wouldn't change the infield at all, but would change the dynamic of the starting nine. So, yeah, I do think offensively this team isn't where it's going to be on opening day. And once the lockout ends, we can find out what exactly it it will be.
1: And some of that also depends on what they do on the trade market. Because if they trade, you know, with the Reds for a a pitcher, for example, there's a decent chance somebody – one of those nine I listed – is included, you know, most likely Gavin Lux. Probably he seems like the most likely to be trade bait, but it could be. I mean, it wouldn't shock me to see AJ Pollock traded, it, you know, with his contract and his production. He's probably got quite a bit of value. So, uh, you know, obviously Mookie's not going anywhere, Bellinger's not going anywhere, uh, and, and all that. But, uh, you know, yeah, the, the actual starting nine, I'd be shocked if it's the nine games that nine names I listed. Not shocked, I'd be surprised. If it's the nine names I listed, uh, but it's a good position to be in that they could run out that lineup and be just fine.
0: Yeah, one note real quick that wasn't a question. I don't think you talked about yesterday. You talked about Korea's signing with Boris. No. Do you think that changes any plans of the Dodgers? I know that people seem to think that the Dodgers avoid Boris, but I think it's just a matter of the Dodgers are you know always have different plans and always have backup plans when other teams overpay for players.
1: Yeah. I, I've mentioned this before that it's not that the Dodgers can't sign a Boris client. It's that the reason guys sign with Boris is that they want to get every dollar they could possibly get. And he's the best at doing that for them. And the Dodgers are often too smart and or pragmatic to, uh, go that big on a free agent. And so, uh, you know, so it's not so much, uh, I don't think the act of signing with Boris makes it less likely that Correa signs with the Dodgers. I think the fact that Correa decided to sign with Boris tells us some things about Correa that make it less likely for him to sign with the Dodgers, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense. he could be one going from a best situation type deal to now I want the most money type deal.
1: Yeah. and And it might just be, hey, look what he did for Marcus Semien and Corey Seager just last month. So what can he do for me? And they might, you know, it it doesn't change the baggage that Carlos Correa has. uh, But it also doesn't change the fact that he is the best player on the free agent, free agent market. So, and he was even before Seager and Semien signed. So uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if Scott Boris can do a Scott Boris magic on Carlos Correa's baggage. Yeah. Uh, Next question that uh, this kind of going along with the, the infield uh, from James Lenahan at Jimmy O Lenny project the rotation at the start of the season and the end of the
0: season. Yeah, this is a million dollar question because every year you could predict kind of easily the Dodgers at, at least, you know, by spring training time can predict what the Dodgers starting rotation is going to be. You can never predict what it's going to be at the end of the season so I'll say at the start of the season it's Bueller, Julio, Kershaw, Heaney, and a free agent. I'll say that I'm not. I don't know specific or not free agent trade. Um, Somebody but by who's not end,
1: currently on the team.
0: Yeah, someone not currently on the team. By the end of it, I do think it'll still be Bueller, Julio, Kershaw. I do think Pepio will step into whether it's a six man kind of rotation or a five man rotation. I do think he'll step in. And I think Heaney could, depending on how he does, I think he'll kind of be in and out of rotation, or maybe be put in a different role. And I think they trade for somebody at the deadline, which you can almost say every year for the Dodgers because they have gotten almost a pitcher every time at the deadline. But uh, it's not that bold of a prediction, but it's a prediction for now.
1: I don't know if you got a chance to listen to my episode yesterday or my part of the episode yesterday uh when i talked about zach granke what do you think about zach granke as a potential free agent target
0: yeah i talked about him a few weeks ago too but just kind of on a you know bare bones surface stat wise and it was exactly what you said if you can get a guy that with the four era and kind of when i said that the same day if you can get a guy with the round of four even four or five era to give you five six innings every fifth day and he comes less than you know 10 to 12 million dollar range maybe what's Maybe what he gets paid, um, I hundred percent do that just because at this point you know, you know what happened last year. You guys got burnt out. You know, there, there's no going around that. Bueller and Julio got burnt out, so you need somebody that's going to eat innings. You need a bullpen to stay fresh. You need a guy that you know is not going to cost you much if he gets hurt. He gets hurt, kind of like a Rich Hill type, but Granky's a little more durable than Rich Hill.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess what you're saying is you're better at listening to my parts of episodes than I am at listening to your parts <laughs> of episodes. Um. The uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Dustin May too when he comes back. If they even attempt to put him in the rotation at all in 2022, or if they just because he's probably going to be back you know mid season or even a little bit later, and you know, they might just say, Okay, you know what, you're a reliever, we're only going to throw you 20, 20, 25 innings this season, so uh, let's just go that route and then work him up in 2023, or if they feel pressed for one reason or another to put him into the rotation.
0: Yeah, I feel Destin May will give 2018 Julio vibes where he comes in late in the year and then can work his way onto the postseason roster.
1: Yeah. But we'll see. Our last two questions after our next break will probably deal with some of those rotation questions too.
0: So. Yeah, definitely. But first, bet online. Bet online. It's 2022 and bet online wants to wish you a happy new betting year as leagues continue their marches into the playoffs and beyond. But BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering in 2022. They've got a new website that you can check out on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today. If you sign up today and use the promo code On, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So that's an extra 50% on top of your first uh, deposit with the promo code Locked On when you sign up at BetOnline. From basketball, football, hockey, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available 2022 bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts all right so yeah well first question we'll get out of the way um, we've answered variations of this question but you know maybe people don't listen every day so uh it comes from at T money underscore Galan. And he asked if Bauer is clear and never charged Should the Dodgers have him pitch this season. If eligible.
1: Yeah. And and there's a lot of ifs in there. I mean, there's only two ifs, but there's several other implied ifs. And uh, yeah, if, if Bauer is declared eligible to pitch at the start of the season, uh, the Dodgers kind of have no choice, but to, but to play him. Uh, just the way the domestic violence policy is written, uh, they're they're not allowed to punish him. And so, if the league says there's no punishment for Bauer, and the league doesn't relinquish that right of punishment to the Dodgers, uh, yeah, they they have no choice. Uh, I don't think that particular scenario is likely, even a tiny bit. I think that uh, it's basically a foregone conclusion that Bauer is going to miss some time in 2022. Uh, due to suspension, and the the only real question is how much. And for me, the more intriguing question is: say he misses, you know, they suspend him for the first three months of the season, uh, you know, basically say you're suspended for a full season with credit for time served, and so so he's back in June or whatever. Um, and then obviously they'd send him out on a rehab assignment to to get his legs under him and, and stuff. I think it would be interesting if he goes down to Triple A and pitches there and doesn't pitch well, well then the Dodgers suddenly have a valid baseball reason to say, you know what, Bauer, we're, we're going to cut you. And I would think there would at least be a temptation to jump all over that. You know, obviously it's a sensitive subject with fans. There's a, at least a vocal minority and maybe even a vocal slight majority of fans who never want to see Bauer in a Dodger uniform again. Uh, And I, I don't think ownership would totally ignore that. Uh, I definitely think there's also, uh, you know, some contingent of Dodgers players who, and and probably more than a minority, probably a a somewhat sizable majority of Dodger players who don't really want to be sharing a locker room with Trevor Bauer anymore. And if that's the case, I think ownership and the front office is definitely going to listen to that. And so that, you know, it's going to come down to actually having a valid baseball reason to get rid of him. Um, And you know, that's uh I, I don't know if that's likely or not. But yeah, so I my short answer to T to Money is that I I don't think there's any chance that the scenario he lays out is going to happen. Uh but I I go back and forth on whether I think we'll ever see Bauer in a dodgy uniform again. And uh I think right now my best guess is no, but I I'm not super confident in that.
0: Yeah, I mean I don't know the the legal things, uh, ramifications, and everything else with this, but I mean, if you're if twenty guys on a twenty six man roster don't want to play with you, I would imagine the Dodgers could argue that's a baseball reason. Um, and you know, obviously, it, it would go to it would go to a bunch of other you know, it would go on to a bunch of other stuff. But you know, whatever the case is, we'll, we'll, it just remains to be seen. But yeah, I don't think that there's a way that, oh, Trevor Bauer is ready for opening day and not suspended at least a little bit. So
1: Yeah. And since baseball contracts are guaranteed, they could also make the argument that it's not actually a punishment to be released since you get your money anyway. You know, if yeah. anything, it, it's, you know, we're helping you out here. Here's all this money. You don't even have to work for it. Obviously, yeah. the Dodgers are hoping that uh, some of that money comes off the books via suspension or whatever. So. Yeah, actually one other interesting thing, and this is totally off topic, but honestly, it's it's more fun to talk about than the other Bauer stuff. But it, you know, we saw what happened with Marcelo Zuna and you know how he got credit for time served. But when that happens, the option isn't just credit for time served, it's if you want to pay back the money you were paid during that time, then you get credit for time served. And so if MLB comes out and says, Okay, Trevor, you're suspended for a year do you want to go back to time served and, and be suspended until June? Or do you want to sit out all of 2022? And if Bauer did choose, the, the thing that would make most sense for him would be to choose time served because he made $40 million last year. He's making $45 million this year. And so every uh, every day of service time this year is worth more than last year. So it makes sense for him. It would say he'd make an extra million or $2 by doing the time served. Well, if he does time served, then that's suddenly $22 million or something that the Dodgers get paid back, which cuts back on their luxury tax bill, maybe drops them out of the third tier of the luxury tax and takes away the draft uh, repercussions of going over that second level of luxury tax. That's really interesting to me. Like if they did that, would the Dodgers get re- retroactively relief on that luxury tax stuff? Because it seems like they should, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like I said, there, there's just a lot there that we don't know about and we're not going to know about for a while. But um, moving on, staying with pitchers, Dane Dellenbach at K12PR. Dane asks, when do we see Bobby Miller?
1: Dane is a friend of mine. He actually helped me coach our our 11-year-old son's baseball, teams, baseball team together. Uh, Dane's an Angel fan, but we won't hold that against him. Um, but, yeah, Bobby Miller – I think we're going to see him in 2022. The The main question is in what role. And I think we're going to see Bobby Miller in the bullpen this year, um, regardless of how well he does. I, I honestly think the bullpen is more likely for Pepio in 2022. Also, unless they actually have a really big need in the, in the rotation, I, I would expect both of them to come in and be, you know, even if they are like that two or three inning type of relievers, like you mentioned about Dustin may that, that Julio, uh, late season kind of thing, or just you know, Miller. I could see him just coming in and say, You know what, you're our eighth inning guy now. You throw 100 miles an hour, you wear your hat funny, you're, you're going to be scary to people. You're our eighth inning guy, uh, and, and throw him into that role. He seems like a guy who would, uh, kind of thrive under that, uh, sort of good pressure.
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think we're going to see him this year. He looked great last year. He has the stuff. Obviously, he's getting stronger. He, you know, will be in the the system another year. Uh, things are getting a little bit more back to normal, and I'm not barring, you know, injury or some crazy fall from from the stars for him this year. We're going to see him at some point. And I do think, like you said, a bullpen role would fit him well. Anytime you think of a young guy coming up in a bullpen role, you think, you know, I think of, of Francisco Rodriguez back in 2002 with the Angels on that run and just kind of being a lights out dominant guy. Um, kind of what we thought about you know Dustin May didn't quite work out Bueller, they thought about that what 2017 didn't quite work out there um, which maybe it, it should have because Brandon McCarthy uh, didn't do too great in in his spots in the world in the world series but either way yeah definitely think we're going to see him this year and I'm excited this kid is he just looks fun obviously you know like I said wears a hat a little different he has that swagger has that attitude and Hopefully, he that translates to him pitching well, and we can see it all unfold on Dodger Stadium this year.
1: Yeah, for sure. Do you know Francisco Rodriguez turned 40 a couple of weeks ago? I did not. Time what? marches on, man. Time yeah. marches on. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, just so we have one more question. Uh, oh, that's right. We do. Huh? Up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, from Cheryl Ann Romano at Cheryl Romano 15. She asks, are the guys practicing playing ball at a school or recreation park? If not now, what will they do if spring training is delayed?
0: Yeah, everybody's different. Um, Most guys, at at least at this point, probably have a facility or some kind of training place that they work out at. Um, You know, there's guys that probably do go to the park, maybe here and there. Um, The guys that maybe live in more rural areas that, that don't have nice, fancy facilities in their area. So yeah, they're working on wherever they can, wherever they've, wherever they can find. And if spring training is delayed, they'll continue to have to do that. And uh, like I said, I'm sure that's if 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 it gets to the point where negotiations are getting better, but they haven't quite done it yet. But you can have a sense that spring training is going to get underway. I would imagine some guys either go to Arizona or meet in Los Angeles and go to you know, start working out together at a facility or, you know, something like that. So I would imagine that's kind of what's going on right now.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I would guess that 98% of major leaguers have a, their former high school coach who would love to let them use any of their facilities that they have. Obviously some high schools have better facilities than, than others, but I think every high school coach would uh, definitely take the call from their big league former player And say, yeah, I'll I'll have my catcher strap on the gear, so you can come catch some some, a bullpen session for you or whatever. I know uh, Peyton Henry, who catches for the Marlins. He lives here in in my town, and uh, his dad is the high school coach here. And so, you know, Peyton is all the time. My my son sees him all the time when my son's there for freshman baseball practice. Peyton's always there, you know, working on his own stuff, working with kids and stuff. And so, there's plenty of stuff that that these players can do the resources they have available to them just by virtue of being major league players, uh, you know, that they, they're, they're probably not hurting for facilities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that is all the questions, Jeff. Do you have anything else to add for today's episode?
1: Not that I can think of other than uh, I enjoy talking to you. So uh, we should do this more often.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. Which I say now, but it
1: sure is nice not having to do an episode (laughs) some
0: days, you know. It's a lot easier to get to thirty minutes when you got somebody else to talk to. Yeah, but yeah, that will do it for today's episode. Thank you for all your questions. If you have more questions, feel free to submit them at any time. Make thank you for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. Make sure to tell your friends and family so they can make Lockdown Dodgers their first listen of the day every day. Uh, But if you do have those questions or other comments, whatever you have. You can find us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Dodgers. You can find Jeff on Twitter at Snydog, and I'm at Vince Samperio. DMs are open on all those accounts. Feel free to reach out with whatever you need. We can also be reached via voicemail or text at 323-863-LOCK. That's 323-863-5625. Or via email lockdowndodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. play your smart device play a podcast, Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one.
1: We'll talk to you tomorrow.